0: Welcome to Shabbat Replay. It's Pride Month, and at last Friday night's service, Rabbi Stephen delivered a delightful drosh entitled, Judaism is Kinda Gay. You're about to listen to it, but you could also watch it on Mishkan Chicago's YouTube channel or read a transcript on our blog. Just follow the link in the show notes. You'll also find links to our upcoming Pride events. Now, take it away, Rabbi. So Judaism is kind of gay. (laughs) I'm not just talking about modern Judaism. I'm talking about Judaism throughout our history is kind of gay. And this might surprise you, given the ways in which certain verses of the Torah have been used to justify persecution of the LGBTQ plus community. And we can have a conversation about how poorly understood those sections of the Torah are another time. Because today, I want to focus on something a bit more fun when our sacred texts get really, really queer. Here's the thing, is you don't notice what you're not looking for. So if you don't expect to find gay stuff in the Torah or Talmud, that's what we call it, gay stuff, you won't find it, you're not gonna find it. If you don't expect to find it, you won't find it. But if you look at these texts through maybe what I might call a rainbow lens, you'll be surprised about how much is waiting for you to discover how much gay stuff there is in our tradition. Rabbi B'nai Lapi, whom some of you might know and who's been an amazing friend to this community, calls these donkey stories. Can you tell me how many donkeys there are in the Torah? Anybody? There are a lot of donkeys in the Torah. (laughs) Like, there's a lot of donkeys in the Torah, but we don't notice them because we're not looking for donkeys. However, if a donkey sat down to read the Torah, they would immediately recognize not only the donkeys who were explicitly mentioned, but even the donkeys who were implied in the story. It's not that the donkey is inserting donkeys where there were no donkeys before. It's just that the donkey is more attuned to finding the donkeys that exist within and at the edges of this narrative. And in the same way, Queer folks are not reading ourselves into these sacred texts. We're just aware of the fact that we've always existed within them. We've always existed within them. So in celebration of Pride, because it is Pride Month after all, and we are Boys Town adjacent here at Second Unitarian, I want to share three of my favorite very gay stories from our tradition. So the first you find actually at the very beginning of the Torah. And God created Adam, the first human, in the divine image. In the image of God, Adam was created. Male and female, God created them. The rabbis are fascinated by this verse. Because first, it seems to talk about the single human being, this Adam. Literally means human. We've kind of turned into a proper name. But it literally means human being. And then it seems to speak about this singular human being in the plural, assigning multiple genders to seemingly one individual. And second, we actually have a second creation narrative in the second chapter of Genesis in which another individual appears, Chava, often translated as Eve, crafted from the side or the other half of this original human. So what's up, the rabbis ask? Well, clearly, the first human. Is intersex. The rabbis explain that this original Adam was what they called very helpfully a prospophone. If you speak Greek, you know it means a two two faced individual, an individual with two faces and four arms and four legs and a penis and a vagina, <laughs> all together. One intersex human being. And actually, it's later in the second chapter Chava is not created from the rib of Adam, as has also been unhelpfully translated. But from the side, literally God splits this being in half when God realizes that it's not good for this Adam to be alone. What better companion than, quite literally, your other half? And although our understanding today of sex and gender is maybe a little different than the rabbis, our tradition actually conceives of, thousands of years ago, six different gender identities, including intersex folks. Including non-binary individuals. That's pretty gay, right? <laughs> the second story I want to share can be found a little later in the Torah. Let's set the stage. Our patriarch Jacob is married to two women. Shout out to polyamory. Leah and Rachel. They happen to be sisters. And they happen to feel a little bit of tension toward each other in this arrangement, especially as they begin to have children. And now they are in a race to have the most children. And so both Leah and Rachel have given their slaves, Bilhah and Zilpah, to be concubines in this race to have the most children. So here's the count so far. Leah has six sons, Bilhah and Zilpah have two sons each, and Rachel has none. None. And because, hashtag patriarchy, boo, sons are a status symbol in the ancient Near East. So both Leah and Rachel are pregnant at this moment, right? So we have six sons for Leia, two each for the slaves, the concubines, Bilhan Zilpa, and none for Rachel. And Leia, being kind of prescient, both knows that she is about to bear a male child and also knows that Jacob is only destined to have 12 sons. All right. So if we do math here, All right. 12 minus six minus two minus two, that's only two left. And Leah actually deeply empathic towards her sister wants her to be on at least equal status as Bilhah and Zilpah, the two slaves. And so she prays. And the rabbis actually use this example as a case text for prayer being effective, for prayer actually being able to change the world around us. Because when Leah prays, the sex of her child she is bearing changes from male to female. And the sex of the child that Rachel is about to bear changes from female to male. But Here's the catch. The rabbis say their souls actually do not change. Their bodies change, but their souls do not change. And how do we know this? How do we know this? Well. They bring proof texts. So Dina, Leia's daughter, is super butch. (laughs) She, like, doesn't want to stay home. She doesn't want to sit at the camp, not hanging out by the fire, cooking food, kind of darning socks. She wants to go out, and she wants to explore, and she wants to see the world. And Joseph, Rachel's son, super femme. Amazing Technicolor dream coat. (laughs) I mean, come on. So there we go. Dina, original butch lesbian, and Joseph, mamala of drag. <laughs> so here's the last one that I want to share. And this one comes from the Talmud. We have two main characters here. The first is Reish Lakish, former gladiator turned bandit, general bad boy. The second is Rabbi Yochanan. And besides being one of the greatest Torah scholars of his generation, we are told that Yohanan is exceedingly beautiful. Exceedingly beautiful. So beautiful, in fact, that there are actually sections of the Talmud, the core text of our tradition, devoted to how incredibly beautiful this man was. So beautiful, in fact, that he would sit outside the bathhouse so that any pregnant person walking by him would gaze upon his beauty and be so affected by it that they could not help but have incredibly beautiful children as a result. That's how powerful his beauty was. And so now one day, Rabbi Yochanan strips down and gets in the river to take a bath. And Rachel Lakish is walking by, doing some bandit stuff, and he sees this incredibly beautiful man naked in the river. And overcome with desire, he jumps into the river after him, and Rabbi Yochanan turns to him and says, With that kind of passion, you would be a great Torah scholar. You should apply that passion to Torah. And Rachel Lachish was like, I was overcome because that kind of beauty is normally reserved for women. I've never encountered this kind of beauty in a man before. Now, some folks want to see this story as Rachel Lakish mistaking Rabbi Yochanan for a woman. Because later, Rachel Lakish actually ends up marrying Rabbi Yochanan's sister, a little awkward. But actually, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that at all. Clearly, Rachel Lakish is both into Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Yochanan's sister, <laughs> bisexual icon what we now call a bi <laughs> So all of this, these stories, these queer moments, these gay moments in our tradition might seem a bit indulgent right now. To laugh and to find joy at a time when there, there is so much brokenness in the world around us. So much brokenness. And it's true, particularly, we we're so aware during this Pride Month how the LGBTQ community is under attack how those that hate us are coming for our most vulnerable, in particular trans folks, and our trans children are most vulnerable. But celebration, celebration and joy and laughter can be such an incredible act of resistance against a world that tries to make us smaller, a world that wants us to disappear. Pride is loud. It is a rainbow, and it's colorful, and it's sexy, and it's really gay in all senses of that word, because it is our refusal to go back into the closet. And of course, resistance should involve advocacy. Of course, it should involve action. But resistance also comes in the form of celebrating ourselves, of laughing, of finding joy in who we are, of living openly without shame, of cultivating that space for happiness when others would have us feel shame, when others would have us disappear and give up. So yes, there is a lot of work to be done. There is a lot of work to be done. And yes, there are revolutions to be had to change this world for the better, not only for LGBTQ plus folks, but everybody Pride is a riot, and that riot can and should absolutely be joyful. So this is my blessing for all of us. This Shabbat, this Pride Month, whether you are part of the LGBTQ community or you are an ally or somebody who loves us, is that when the world tells us that we should be small, let's come out. Let's come out bigger and bolder, and louder and more queer and more gay and more lesbian and more non-binary, and more trans and more Jewish and more filled with joy than ever before. Shabbat Shalom. Yeah, Happy Pride. Shabbat Replay is a production of Mishkan Chicago. Our theme music was composed and performed by Kalman Strauss. You can always see where and when our next service will be on our calendar. There's a link in the show notes. And if you appreciated the program, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I know you've heard it before, but it really does help. On behalf of Team Mishcon, thank you for listening.